0: You are listening to the 23 Personnel Podcast, where food and sports clash at the goal line. Here are your hosts, Spencer and Michael. All
1: right, buddy. Welcome back to another episode of the 23 Personnel Podcast. I'm your host, Spencer, joined by Michael.
2: Hello, everybody. I hope uh, hope you made it through Valentine's Day. I hope, I hope all expectations were met, if there were any. Uh, I hope that the candy was good. Good company. Possibly a good date. Maybe a taco casa. <laughs> Is that where you guys went? No, okay. but on Valentine's Day, we actually, uh, the three of us, our, our three-year-old too, we went out, we were just seeking for the least Valentine's Day eatery that you could think of and we settled on firehouse subs and it was perfect because I think there were more employees than there were patrons so it was just what we wanted for the three of us but I did take I did take my wife out the the next night on Saturday
1: yeah we stayed in Friday night and made dinner and then we um we didn't really do anything Saturday special like our, our big dinner was Friday night I made that steaks and lobster I made compound butter. I made butter, and then I turned it into compound butter. What? What is? What? What What is this compound butter? It's just like garlic and herbs that you put into into softened butter, and then you kind of, then you roll it up, roll it, and re-chill
2: it. Yeah. Okay.
1: Pretty good. I, I told Samantha like, I don't know if the effort was worth the payout. Like it, it wasn't bad. Well, sure. I just don't think I would do it, like, expend that effort again.
2: Yeah, maybe just stick with regular butter and put a, little, put a little garlic powder on the top of it or something. <laughs>
1: well, the steak was seasoned. Anyways. <laughs> um,
2: We're already off the rails. Two minutes in.
1: Two minutes in. Find us on Twitter, everybody, at 23Personnel. If you want to follow the show, you can follow me, at Suck, and Michael, at Michael underscore LBK. 806. <laughs> Although... The majority of our social media happenings going on right now is on the Instagram. Instagram.com, if you like have to hit at the website, just search 23 personnel podcast. You can follow the show there, follow stories that we we publish there. And then if you want to pick up some 23 personnel podcast merchandise, some shirts, hoodies, long sleeve, all kinds of great stuff, teespring.com. Search for twenty-three personnel.
2: Yeah, I gotta hit you up on that. We'll talk about this afterwards. I may need to get some 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 gear. Man, I thought that was muted.
1: Great. Well, spoiler alert, spoiler alert. We're we're about to talk about some basketball, and I was trying to get ready and prepared and. My computer was not muted. You're just too excited to talk about this Oklahoma State game. I am so excited to get through the basketball section of this week's podcast.
2: Yeah, me too. Me too. You you want to go ahead and fire it up, or should we should we tease what we've got going on?
1: Let's let's go ahead and and so we're going to talk about basketball. Obviously, talk about the one game that we had between our our episodes, Oklahoma State, and then preview uh, the next two games tomorrow night versus or Wednesday night versus Kansas State, and then Saturday afternoon evening at. Iowa State, more Jet Duffy football news. Central Michigan paper published another piece. It doesn't, it doesn't help. That no. Texas Tech is
2: – anyways. Head in the sand.
1: Um, there's a new coaching hire on the football staff, um, and then we're going to recap the baseball opening weekend – Probably a lot more in depth than you would expect us to go through for twenty-three personnel podcast. Um, you know, we we obviously would recommend you guys listen to the Dinger Derby podcast for all of your Texas Tech baseball content hankerings. Keith Patrick's got you all kinds of connected there, but I watched every second of the weekend series Ooh. that I could, barring any of the um texas dot Technical difficulties. Technical difficulties. That was stupid. And then we'll talk about the upcoming series that week this weekend.
2: Um your questions if we have any and what we learned. Hey, we do have some questions. Matt Wells headset himself Ooh. has sent in some questions. Alright. Well let's talk about some basketball first. Okay.
0: Here comes Stevenson. Spins out, oh! oh! and he's stuck back by the Ooh! freshman sensation Smith. Passed over the top of Cormick, and a crowd strip by Owens. Already on the run, bounce pass. Here's Culver. Evans. Yes. Game over. Mooney with a crossover and the lineup. Oh! Now the shot clock is at three, Mooney spins, fires, oh, he got it to go! Edwards with a three, good! What a shot, Kyler Edwards! Ready double, into two, oh, who puts it down! For Reddy, Odiasi, it in! Shot clock down to five, got the screen, here's a three, good!
1: Colver got the separation, oh. Right. Step it up big time! Dagger!
0: Over the oh. dish! Oh And one! He can tie it at the line! That's it! There's a new member of the Final Four Club! And they hail from Lubbock, Texas!
1: The thing I'm most excited about is that we have a baseball bumper this week.
2: Oh, man. Yeah, we should have teased that. I just did. Oh, that's true. All
1: right, so... A live,
2: a live tease, just right now.
1: Red Raiders dropped a road game in Stillwater Eesh. to the Cowboys. One of the worst teams in the conference.
2: Yeah, you know, just... just um, for those of you keeping up at home, uh, Oklahoma State's 3-10 and in the Big 12 now. Um, they've, of course, one of those three is against Tech. So it, it was a pretty ugly loss. I'm, I I. think I'm going to frame it a little bit because I, I tend to be the overreactor type person when tech hey, loses. Me too. Hey, me too. Hey, well that's, you know, sometimes that's good for, for podcasts, but I'm go- I'm going to step away. I'm going to step back from that and just kind of take this in as a slight glitch, tiny bump in the road. Can and, we fix the glitch? And declare that it's nothing to worry about. And I'm not, I don't think I'm going to make excuses per se, but I, I, do you think I will point out that Oklahoma State sure was playing? Uh, you know they were giving Texas Tech their the best game that they that they could. You know Tech kind of came in with a target on their back, having destroyed them in Lubbock, and then also just creeping back into the rankings again, which they're back out of. They were they're basically 26th this week after this.
0: Okay, it's time to commit. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. lost. They
2: were 24th heading into Stillwater. So it's, uh, I think it's, I'm, I'm going to frame it that way. Just a tiny bump in the road. Nothing to worry about. Nothing to see here. Kevin Bacon, all is well. Just keep going. <laughs> well, so here's here's
1: the thing. I you had your worst loss of the season in Fort Worth. Yes, and then you did this. It may rival worst loss in terms of the opponent. Both games were on the road. Um, Oklahoma State played a pretty complete game. Like there was not that they beat you in a half. Um, they were intense from the from the that's from, for sure from the tip. Um, get they were aggressive. Rebounds. They they out rebounded you badly it was, let me look at the number, that's, why can't I add that? Okay, 37 to 22.
2: So they out-rebounded you by 15. Well, and what was crazy, I mean, they they had 15 offensive rebounds. So they just kept getting the ball. They kept getting second chances over and over, well, 15 times at least. And... I remember that just the first few minutes of the game. It seemed like the first three or four possessions. It was nothing but offensive rebounds for <laughs> it had the Cowboys. Like four or five offensive rebounds in the first five minutes. And I remember that in the And like just the first half in general. I just um, thought, Oh, this is this is not gonna go well. This this may be a bad day for tech and it, it just kinda snowballed into that where they were they were really playing well, like you said, um and they were playing hard. They were Given Tech the best game they could. I mean they they shot well, they they did everything well. Uh they, they held on to the ball. Let's see. I mean Tech had fifteen turnovers, which is not great, but Oklahoma State only had sixteen. So that was kind of a I don't want to say it's a wash, but there wasn't a big disparity there. It's six blocks.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um they had two players score sixteen, Jonathan Laurent and Caleb Boone, who is not a great free throw shooter. But went 12 of 14. Yeah, he was pretty great on Saturday. Scored 16 points with only two field goals. Yeah. Um, They had four guys play 35 or more minutes. So they had four guys that played everything, and then they rotated out of uh, the fifth guy. Um, Davide Moretti played all 40 minutes for you. Kyler Edwards played 39. Jamias Ramsey played 35. Uh, you did have four guys in double figures. Moretti had 15. Kevin McCullough had 15. Ramsey had 14. Edwards had 12. Holyfield. I think this is one of those games, like this is a, you see this time and again, when he gets in foul trouble early, it is going to be a fist fight. Like you're going to, like it's going to be a close game. Yeah. Because his defensive presence um, is certainly missed. I think he picked up what was it, three fouls in the first five minutes of the game, and then it was, he sat the last 15 minutes. It was very quick. And then two minutes into the second half, he, he picked up his fourth foul and then sat again for a long time. Um, and he did eventually foul out, but it was later in the game, but he missed. I mean, he he played 14 minutes. Yeah. He was out. And he's been averaging 25
2: before yeah. this? 22. Uh, well, he was... 20, his, 223. I think. Right, well, he was um, I think the way I looked at it last week, his first six or seven Big 12 games was about 22 with three fouls, and then his last four or so were in the, he had 33 minutes or something like that with three fouls. I mean, he was just able to stay out of foul trouble, and obviously, you know, that's pretty easy uh, leap to make. No foul trouble, then you get to play more, so he Obviously was not going to be able to play as much on Saturday, popping off three real quick. No. And, and, you know, a lot of the argument's kind of been made. I, I'm not the one that's really making. I'm kind of just repeating what other people have said, that as important as Ramsey is to this team, Holyfield may be mo- more important because his absence, for whatever reason, I mean, his when he's not out there, it's or when he's not on his game, you know, one or the two, Tech really struggles. Ramsey, I mean Ramsey doesn't struggle a whole lot. He was five for fifteen. I mean he didn't shoot extremely well <laughs> by any means, but he still had fourteen points. It was, it was like three of those five were, were threes. Yeah, yeah. I mean so he was he was definitely still pr- a productive player. Um, only two fouls, four assists. I mean he, a couple of blocks, a steal. I mean, he was kind of everywhere, like normal. Um, he did have four turnovers though. Yeah, uh, but the. It just seems like a lot of Tech's success rides a lot on on Holyfield. Kind of getting, mm-hmm. he's kind of that um, oh that missing piece. That if it's if it's not quite there, then you're really going to struggle to to replace what he can provide when he's able to yeah. stay on the court. So losing this game, I think um,
1: one it hurts your chances to win the Big Twelve. I, I think that was fairly. Yeah. well set. Baylor's going to have to basically lose the rest of their games to not win the Big 12. Um, so it's not really hurting your 2019-2020 season success. It can affect your seeding going into the tournament. It may affect how much you need to win in the Big 12 tournament. Um, but I think mostly it's just Going to serve as another kind of wake up call. It's like you can't you can't rely on just pure talent to beat a team on the road in the Big Twelve. Um, you still have a couple of road games left. You've got at Iowa State and at Oklahoma. Yep, that are winnable games even on the road, but as you can't play like you did on Saturday and hope to win either of those games. Like Iowa State's not very good. They're missing their best player but they can still beat you if you play like you did on Saturday. Sure. You're going to need to play a really good game to beat Oklahoma on the road. You're going to need to be perfect to beat Baylor on the road.
2: Oh, gosh, yeah. To
1: end the season or your last road game. Um, but, yeah, so you, you you hope that this kind of serves as a, as a, a Waco call, or like a refresher, like, hey, guys, let's let's not forget. Like, we need to play defense. We, we, we can't give up all the easy rebounds. We can't be overly aggressive and pick up fouls. I mean, you didn't – you committed 22 fouls in the game to Oklahoma State's 18. So it's not like you were hacking them. But they were – they shot a stupid – they shot 27 free throws in the second half.
2: Yeah. And they were 23 of 27. They were 85%. And Tech shot 20 the entire game. So it's it's like like you said, it wasn't a disparity per se – in the fouls themselves, it was just how they were being committed and mm-hmm. they just weren't smart fouls and you yeah. uh, know, apparently fouling this kid Boone who could not miss that day. So maybe, maybe quit doing that. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and uh, I'll tell Michael before we started, before Oklahoma state got into the
1: bonus, they were still shooting free throws because you were fouling Oklahoma state shooters. Mm-hmm. So they, they, they picked up a lot of free throws. Even before they got into the bonus, which are just obviously easy, free, free throws on easy any foul. Easy money. Um, so you dropped that game. Uh, you now are at just outside of the rankings. You're 16 and nine. Yes. Seven and five in the Big 12. You will host Kansas State. Um, you beat them. By a good margin in Manhattan, but it was kind of an ugly, lower-scoring game, which is typically how they do. Um, you play them Wednesday night, the nineteenth at eight p.m. on ESPN two slash ESPNU. Um, you're still, I mean, as as Texas Tech at home, you're you're a pretty wide, pretty significant favorite at home against Kansas State. You, if you look at Haslametrics, they he has you at minus fifteen and a projector score 70 to 55. Um, you, you just need to come back home, regroup on your home court, take care of business, and get you set to go back on the road on Saturday when you go up to Ames. Um, again, Haslametrics has you as a, a two to three possession favorite, um, minus seven, and you know, 75, 68 type of projection. The thing that really... You need to be careful of Iowa State is missing their their best player. Yeah. Tyrese Halliburton is out for the rest of the season. He you said it
2: was a wrist injury? a wrist
1: injury. Um, he led the team in minutes per game at 37 points, rebounds, assists, and steals. The only thing he didn't was blocks. The only thing he didn't lead is blocks. Yeah. Um, so, obviously, he's a significant part of that team. Again, we've seen you can't just roll into – an opposing Big Twelve venue and sleepwalk your way to a win. Without Halliburton, Iowa State can still beat you. So um hopefully the game this past weekend against Oklahoma State serves as like I said a wake up call. Hazla Metrics and Ken Palm both have you know are still fairly strong, has have strong opinions of you. metrics has you at number eleven, Ken Palm at sixteen. Um this is after the game in Stillwater, so any drop was not very significant in their rankings. Still set to to make some late season, I wouldn't say heroics, but um, hijinks to pick up a few late season wins to get you rolling um, going into postseason play.
2: Yeah, I. I mean, you're, you're kind of losing. You're losing ways to boost your resume, at least realistic ways. Uh, you know, I don't want to already claim the game in Waco loss before we play it, because obviously that's ridiculous to say. But that's really tough. That's going to be a very tough game for Tech to win, and it's going to be a a pretty tough environment. And so between that and Kansas, those are the only real resume boosters you have left for your quadrant one or... You know, whatever whatever the terminology is for for the Joey brackets and and whatnot, <laughs> but it's it's, it's going to be tough for Tech to really improve their stature the rest of the the year. And this loss in Stillwater does not help that at all. So Tech needs to. I mean, obviously they've got to win all the games they can, but I I think they need to have some statement wins. Uh, I think if if they're going to let Kansas State hang around and Tech ends up winning by three, then that's not going to really be great at home. And um, as, as hard as it is to, to play on the road in the Big 12, Tech needs a big statement in Ames this weekend, too, to kind of get, get, uh, get their name back out there. But I don't really care about a ranking. The ranking's no. not bothering me that Tech's been drifting in and out because I think it's deserved. I, I mean, I think there's some weeks they've played – like a top 15 team. And there's some weeks where they've played like a top 30 team and yeah, it it makes sense that they're kind of drifting in and out. And I think they almost do a little bit better. You know, Dan's kind of made this argument too, that they almost do a little bit better when they're kind of a, I don't more of an underdog, more of a Mm -hmm. chip on your shoulder kind of thing. So it, obviously the season still there's a lot left to play. There's a lot that can happen, but Tech's is running out of ways to improve their hopeful and, you know, probable tournament seating. Yeah. Um,
1: still lots of meaningful and exciting basketball left on the schedule. But I don't know about you guys. I think a game can be 10 times more exciting if you're putting money on it. Sometimes, we have gut feelings about a matchup, not always the right ones, <laughs> um, but sometimes we're just betting on our team because they're our team. Regardless whether you've been betting for years or you're ready to play for the first time, my bookie is your best bet this season. So if you're going to bet this season, basketball, NBA, all that good stuff, do the smart thing. Go to MyBookie.ag because no one gives you more ways to win. And if you join right now, my bookie will double your first deposit. Use promo code Chair to activate the offer. It's promo code Chair C H A I R to double your cash. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. So we've got football up next, and i I don't really want to play the intro music to football. This, uh, that makes this sense. doesn't this doesn't feel like, like a. Now. like it, it kind of felt weird last week, but i'm I'm, I'm gonna hold off this week because we're talking about jet duffy and it's not good, and it's not something we need to be super excited about, sure. about how, especially how Texas Tech, the university, the athletic department is handling it. Um, there was another article that central Michigan university life paper sorry the central Michigan University paper central Michigan life correct published. Um, I think it came out Sunday afternoon and uh it was basically their um their response to, to the the initial article they ran a couple of weeks ago and it says headline is the process worked CMU responds to transfer quarterback Jet Duffy's recruitment Texas Tech sexual assault complaints um author Evan Petzold is the guy that wrote or the first one um
2: right i don't think i ever mentioned that last week so good job by you Evan i didn't mean to leave your name out. Yeah, and, and he and I had a little interaction on Twitter. Um
1: Because at one point, like deep, deep in the article, kind of buried, I, I would have been a lot more forthcoming with this little nugget um, that – here, I'll just read it. So he says, this is like the second or third to last paragraph in his article. The only action taken by the university was recently deleting Duffy's 2019 player profile from its athletics website, thus removing him from last season's roster. Following the publication of this story, as of February 17th, Texas Tech put Duffy, who were number seven for the Red, Red Raiders, back on the 2019 roster. So when he got to that part in the article, I, I flipped over and I, I pulled it up real quick. And I was like, No, he's on the roster. Um, And he said, you know, he responded like at the time that I wrote it, it wasn't – he he actually included a screenshot. He's got a screenshot up there now. In the article now that shows the 2019 roster with guys like Armand Schein, like, you know, in that part of the In the numerical order, yeah, Yeah. by your jersey number. Armand Schein, who would not still be here for 2020. Rico Jeffers, who wore six. Adrian Fry, who wore seven. Maverick McIver, who wore eight.
2: Yeah, and Duffy wore seven, so he so, should have been right there. And he's
1: not on. He's not listening that that picture, not
2: in that shot. No, but I checked just before we recorded, and yeah, he's back on there. So it's 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 uh, weird,
1: like why they would take him down, yeah, or why they would put him back up. Like if you took him down, that's one thing. It's fine. He left your team, and it's kind of not like I wouldn't say disgrace, but like so this is not somebody you want to be highlighting or making a connection back to Texas Tech. As this is not a very great story, yeah, very. But why would you put him
2: back on the roster? It's just a really passive PR move, which uh, I find interesting. And the other thing I found interesting was something that we'd kind of hinted at last week, uh, but to hear someone actually bring it up the the main um, you know the main thing that was the result of this Title IX case against Duffy, where he is alleged to have drugged and raped this woman who has come out and you know publicly talked about what happened and anyway it's awful and it's terrible and that's what we're dealing with here but the the way it was resolved through title 9 was they had a mediation and that meant that all parties agreed to participate to participate in a quote voluntary resolution and What struck me as interesting from the Central uh, Michigan article that was just recently posted, they had a quote from Colorado-based attorney John Clune, who has represented women in sexual assault cases against high-profile athletes, including Kobe, um, you know, Jameis Winston, Johan Santana. Anyway, uh, here's what he had to say. He said, "Quote: If a school has motivated," or if the school was motivated to bury something, getting it into mediation is probably the best way to do that. Generally speaking, that's the optimal way for a school to make something go away quietly to get everyone to sign on the dotted line.
1: I don't disagree because there isn't a a finding in that kind of case. There's not a responsible, like we saw when
2: in 20 in the first title nine incident
1: Duffy was found responsible for two sexual assault allegations, whatever in the title nine. Sure whatever, however you want to phrase that. When it goes to mediation, there is no ruling of responsible or not responsible. Um, and the university and athletic department may be able to shield themselves from having to respond because it did go through mediation. Right. They may be like, well, it's a privacy thing or whatever they want to say, or, or it's been resolved. Sure. Yeah.
2: We um, have, we have the paperwork that says it's been resolved because the two parties signed it. But
1: again, if you go back and, he, like, if you take this attorney's opinion, he says if a school was motivated to bury something, get it into mediation is probably the best way to do that. You know when it went to mediation?
2: Days after Bowman was injured. Right. I wondered, and it's we're, we're not sure when that was scheduled, though. I mean, because it, it was reported to Title IX. Texas Tech could clear In that March. up. Yeah, they sure could. But you know, no, like it was resolved. The timing of it looks terrible. Who knows? Maybe... Maybe they um, they wanted to. I, I don't know because the victim, a um, she filed the police report in May. The event actually happened in March. She filed the Title Nine about ten days after the event. She filed a police report in May, and so I'm I'm kind of wondering. You know, maybe it's possible that Title Nine really got to that point in May and decided, okay. All right. Well, if everyone is going to agree to a mediation, it's about to be summer. Let's wait till September until everyone's back, and then we'll have it. Then it could have but been school that. Gets back in August. It, I and you're exactly right. Or it could have been as sinister as it sounds. Like, okay, um, you know, it's September twelfth. We've got like a week. We need to get this thing done because this kid's got to. This kid got to suit up. We we got to figure out how to get this done. How do we work this out? There's Which, no, we have no way of knowing what the timeline was there or what the thought process was to I mean, sign that date.
1: Yeah, and 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 looking back, it doesn't make sense to kind of protect Duffy in the spring. It makes a lot more sense to try to protect him and, and push this through in the fall.
2: Well, and it doesn't make sense that after Bowman was
1: injured, that like you need a quarterback. Your your other option is that Rice transfer who had played snaps and looked completely lost, and like there is
2: nobody left. Yeah. Well, it doesn't make sense, too, that right around the same exact time that in March when all this happened, Wells suspended, what, four players Mm -hmm. that same month for, quote-unquote, violating team rules. And I I almost know for a fact that one of those rules was one of the players lived with his girlfriend, and that wasn't cool. But then this kind of shit's okay? (laughs) Yeah. I I mean, come on, coach. Do you have... Uh, is is there a difference? I I think there is. I, I would seem to think so. One is a felony.
1: Yeah, and one is it goes against somebody's personal standards.
2: Yeah, I mean, hanging in your locker room is a sign that says treat women with respect. I mm-hmm. took a picture of it. It's there. It's there in the media room. I mean, I mean, a grown uh, if a grown adult man can't live with a woman but a guy can allegedly snort coke and allegedly drug a woman and allegedly, you know, everything that anyway. Sorry. Do you you want to get to the the better news about football? I uh, sure. There's there's some it actually is pretty good news.
1: Yeah, uh former assistant coach, uh, former assist former Duke assistant coach Derek Jones. Been hired as a new secondary coach at Texas Tech. D- Jones was was at Duke for eight years. Yeah, I mean, just a long time to be an assistant anywhere.
2: Well, he was there for over twelve. I mean, I okay, so twelve uh, all but said was, and done.
1: But he was not like a coordinator. Like he was a long time assistant, um, and you could tell the kind of relationship and and the the impact he had on the team with. You know Duke's head coach David Cutcliffe wrote this this letter and then recorded a video about sharing some of his thoughts on on Coach Jones. That's not something you do with a coach that's leaving you.
2: Yeah, and and the video was it was it was produced. I mean, it wasn't it was obviously him sharing thoughts and uh, you know um, Derek also sharing thoughts too. But while they were airing these out and, and, and talking about each other and, and, um, you know, being really happy for one another and they were playing video highlights in the background and there was music and there was, I mean, it was, it was a produced thing from the Duke athletic Twitter. Yeah. It's not like, you know, coach Cutcliffe sat down at his desk with his iPhone and recorded a
1: selfie video. I was like, Hey man, thanks for, for all you've done for us. We're really yeah.
2: excited for you. No, this was it's very personal. And, and so I, it's one of those things that cause Rob bro friend of the show, Rob bro brought it up. It's, you just don't see this. You don't see someone who's genu- so genuinely happy for their assistant and had worked with them for so long. And, mm-hmm. and then to see them get to move on and, and make a video and make it, you know, players. I, I, I don't know. I, I think it's, it's a really good sign. He, he seems like, seems like a great guy and uh, obviously a very committed coach and, Man, if he can get Tech secondary in the top hundred and twentieth in the country, whoo! Hot watch dog, out. man. We watch out! But really, I mean that's that's great. But, uh, I, I think that um, this is a good hire. It's it sure does seem like it.
1: Yeah. So he'll he'll be at Texas Tech as the associate head coach, co DC, and secondary coach, or something like. He's got like several
2: layers of title. Oh, I don't involved. think I realized that. I give think me they all look. do though, because I know I, I think. Um, Cosgrove did as well. I think he had some couple of assistant to the regional managers thrown in there. Let's see where that right. Okay. Yep. Yeah, he's associate head coach, co-defensive coordinator
1: and secondary coach and picks up a $500,000 salary. Yeah. I mean, that's which more is, than, which is not an assistant coach salary. Is
2: that not more, or at least as much as tech was able to pay David Gibbs? <laughs> For a while, I think, yeah. I think so. I mean, I think he's making the same thing that, that Tech used to pay our defensive coordinator. And then, uh,
1: speaking of salary note, uh, Kevin Cosgrove's salary was was released uh, via Inside the Red Raiders, the, I forget their affiliation, it's not scout, is it 24-7 sports? Anyways, he's, he's had to be making $300,000 with Texas Tech this year.
2: Yeah, and that's a just about, Seth did some math on this, on the stake in the plains, on the morning stake for today, the 18th. And he said that, that, uh, that the salary pool is up basically about 310 grand. So that's good. I mean, any time that Tech's able to throw more money, you can get some better guys, some more quality guys in, some more experienced guys in, and hopefully, hopefully compete uh, in, in all facets of the game instead of just focusing on a couple but it's it's just wild to think that i mean i mean yost and patterson are making 600k a year and so i mean jones coming in just right at it just right under that so it's wild to think that tech has that many coaches making over half a mil a year when used to they just had two yeah (laughs) i mean it was kingsbury and gibbs and that was it just really like a brief summary
1: of, of looking at the top of this um, this form um, for Derek Jones' salary. Um, so he's he's direct annual compensation is five hundred thousand dollars. Term will run through January tw- January thirty first of twenty twenty two. So he has a, a two year contract, which is not unusual. Cell phones provided, but he's also given a, a vehicle allowance. Hey, all right, of five thousand dollars a year, which
2: is good for four hundred and seventeen dollars a month, to get you a modest twenty-five thousand-dollar vehicle. Yeah, if you finance it for sixty months. But also, like on top of your five hundred thousand-dollar salary, I'm sure. Yeah, he'd be,
1: be all right. I mean, it's, it's knocking four hundred dollars off of your whatever vehicle purchase or lease agreement you've got. Hopefully, not with rigor Dykes for your <laughs> sure. sake, Derek Jones. Somebody um, has oriented you to that, to stay away from them. Who was it? Did did Alderson take over that kind of stuff? I think Alderson has been for a while. I, I think even going back to Tuberville, it's always been like an Alderson Cadillac.
2: Yeah, or Mercedes or one of their...
1: Well, you could, that's true, because uh, Kingsbury seemed to, to rotate through his vehicles, where it looked like... He might have had a Lexus here and there. Yeah, too. it looked like... Uh, Tuberville had an Escalade for a while, and then he had like a CX, whatever the coupe sports car is, they do.
2: I would request, like, a, if it had to be a Cadillac, I'd request like an O2 Eldorado. <laughs> Gosh. Just so, someone go find me an O2 Eldorado. And th- you'll spend more than $5,000. $5,000 a year on, on maintenance on that. Thing. That's fine. That's fine. I, I can deal with it. I loved those cars so much. That Northstar V8 it was like a 4.6. 8 4.8 liter it wasn't it wasn't huge displacement but man it was a pretty fast car i think it was front wheel drive too which was kind of odd to be such a big car it was a cat kind of like cts oh that's what he had okay just fine you know it's, yeah it's, it's give me it. give me an old el dorado before they quit making them
1: all um, right so you already talk about some baseball some texas Tech yes baseball? because i want to hear this promo all right field, well struck,
0: Desloni picks it up on a bounce, he's racing for second, throw, out in second. Young lifts it to right field, looking for a second home run, and he's got it, into his own bullpen.
1: Perhaps he had some time because all the tools are
0: better. Wow, this one launched deep left off the bat of Warren, and into the bleachers. There he goes. And the pitch is driven high and deep to right. Cursed down to the wall. Off the top of the fence. Here comes the big foul.
1: So that was a lot of fun to put together. Um, obviously, majority of that, it was this past season. One play was not, it was the first play from the 2016 College World Series. The first play where Nesloni threw out Jonathan India from Florida, trying to stretch a single into a double. Oh, yeah, threw something. him at a second. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and then you've got like a, the Cameron Warren home run that the dude caught in his beer cup. <laughs> um, the Josh Young home run in the super regional finale against Oklahoma State, Kurt Wilson's home run against, um, Oklahoma State, uh, Cody Masters near home run, but you, the, the, you got Cam Warren scoring from first on the hit and run, um, which it's funny. Like we, we, we talked about like how great of a call that was to send Cam Warren on like a hit and run but had masters cleared the wall, like nobody would have talked about that. <laughs> like right. Masters w- would have been the hero, not Cam Warren and, and, and Tadlock for making that call. Sure. Sure. Um, and then obviously the, the Kurt Wilson home run. And then the last one, it was, um, Colin Simpson striking out to send tech to the college world series last season, which is it, it, interesting. If you remember, as Tech Tech fans, he struck out as the last batter in the first and third game of that series. So he was the last out, striking out both times at Tech One against Oklahoma State in the Super Regionals. Sucks to suck, dude. <laughs> <laughs> All right, opening weekend. Uh, you can get the series recap thread over on Staking the Plains. Keith Patrick and Dinger Derby had an episode that came out Monday morning. He was quick to do his recap, but let's quickly go through it. Texas Tech goes 4-0 no on the weekend. Not unsurprising, but they start the weekend off a little modestly, a little slowly, at least in terms of you know context with the rest of the weekend. They defeat Houston Baptist 5-1. I guess the biggest surprise, well... The first surprise of the weekend is you get Clayton Beater as a starter on Friday night. He was a guy that we all thought could be competing for uh, a big-time relief pitcher role, maybe closer. Um, he comes in and starts a game... Throws six innings. Nobody else in the weekend throws more innings than
2: Beater did, and he was a guy that you thought would be a reliever. Yeah, even I noticed and thought, man, it, it, how is he? He's still out there, but he's still going.
1: He was super efficient. Yes, in, in his six innings, he threw sixty six pitches. Yeah, so that's he averaged nice. eleven pitches an inning, which is barely over the minimum. Yeah, um, he only gave up two hits, one earned run, six strikeouts, one walk. The presumed starter Friday night, Micah Dallas, came in relief of beater. He threw three innings, five Ks, no hits, no runs, no walks. Man was on a mission. Yeah. He was like, you know, you didn't start me, but like, let me, let me prove why I, I should have, um, I should have been. Texas Tech scores all five of their runs in the bottom of the fifth. So they exploded for runs. Um, and that kind of set the tone for their, the rest of the weekend because they, they scored in bunches. Obviously when you put up 65 runs in four
2: games, <laughs> and and one of them was only five only. Quote, unquote.
1: Yeah, so you scored 60 runs in three games, essentially. Yeah. Well, what you did. The two games on Saturday and then Sunday. Your first game Saturday against Houston Baptist, you you run rule them 24 to 3. So it was a game shortened to seven innings. The Vanderbilt transfer Austin Becker got the start. Dude was nails. He was like, he was the, this was the kind of start you were expecting from Bryce Bonin, where Bonin built throughout the season. He became one of your best pitchers. Becker started off
2: that way. Yeah, Bonin took took a little bit to to kind of acclimate to everything.
1: So he threw four innings, gave up three hits, one run, four strikeouts, two walks. Um, Keith was there at the game, said he was easily hitting 94, 95 on the radar gun. Um, and then you got a, a bunch of guys that came in in relief of him. Eli Reekman, Brandon Hendricks, Tyler Hamilton each pitched for an inning to close out that game. In seven innings, um, but this is when you got to see the Nate Romblast
2: show, <laughs> get <into laughs> or or bomb blast, bomb blast. There's, there's also bomb blast. I've, I've, that's the, I think that's Keith's preference. Nate Romback had
1: seven hits on the weekend. Five were home runs. <laughs> of those five, four of them were three-run home runs. Gosh! So the other two hits he had. So he was five. Five of his seven hits on the weekend were were home runs. The other two were, were doubles. One of those doubles on Sunday was maybe a foot away from being another three-run home run. Very nearly went six home runs with five four-run home runs. So five three-run home runs. That's insane. Um, so on Saturday, on this first game, Romback had three of his home runs in that Saturday game versus Houston Baptist. Two of them were three-run home runs. Uh, Cody Masters had a home run. Jace Young had a home run. Cal Conley, the Miami transfer, had two home runs. And at one point, you went back to back to back. You had three straight batters hit a home run. Ouch. Um, so it's no no wonder you were able to to, to put Houston Baptist away twenty four to three. The second game, um, you did see Northern Colorado play Houston Baptist Friday night. Um, it was a little bit closer game. Saturday evening when you took on Northern Colorado, more of the same um, where you you down them 22-4 to four. so you score 46 runs on Saturday Bryce Bonding got the start went 4 complete innings, gave up only 1 hit, 1 run 8 strikeouts Sheesh. and was hitting 94-95 uh, Ryan Sublette came in pitched 2 innings, John Barrera Riley Ramsey, Kurt Wilson all got some time on the bump um. and then more of the offensive home runs you got brian klein hit hit a, a solo home run jace young hit a two-run home run Rombach hit another one of his three-run home runs and then cal conley had an inside the park home run how fast is this dude so i think they were saying he's he's marshock fast Ooh, but that's bold he's got bat too dang where marshock struggles at the plate um Conley doesn't. It's a it's a deadly combination. Yeah,
2: that's that's pretty that's pretty heartbreaking for the Conley got, team. Conley got got a lot
1: of a lot of play this weekend at shortstop. Jace Young got a lot of play at third. I actually had a friend say I thought I thought Young graduated. I was like, no, the Young you saw was his younger brother. That's the true freshman. This is Young he's Young. He's like, I it looked like the same dude. Like the, the, the the not like looked like the same dude. The production looked like the same. Obviously, Jace Young bats on the, he's, he's left-handed bat both played third um and jace young i think had a much hotter start than josh young did really excited to see all these these young guys like just explode now you know let's, let's be honest houston baptist and northern colorado combined for 30 wins last season so they're not great teams true um but you did more than just win 5-2 type ball games
2: sure I mean, you did that once. Yeah, I mean, that was Friday. And then you're Friday. like, uh, let's, let's, let's open up the bats a little bit. Well, you know, Friday it was, wind chill was in the 20s. It was a, <laughs> it's a dreary st- stupid day. stupid cold day. Yeah, it was one of those days that, had it been in March, uh, I'm willing to think old Tadlock would have called it. <laughs> yeah. Let's not play today. It, it, maybe if it wasn't opening day. Yeah, maybe. if it wasn't opening day. Maybe even if it was Saturday or you know saturday night you know what let's not play the second one today let's let's just call it that's that sounds good yeah for sure um and then
1: sunday you took on northern colorado again they played um houston Baptist first and then you followed you beat them you put up another 14 runs in that game uh mason montgomery got the start went four innings only gave up two hits two runs five strikeouts no walks hunter dobbins came in for a, a complete inning Jacob Brustowski came in. Dude, his performance was was like also one of the highlights of the weekend. He only threw eight pitches, but he got two strikeouts and was pulled after those two batters. Oh my gosh! So he came in. He got two outs on eight pitches. McMillan comes in after Brustowski to get that last out of the inning. Throws
2: one pitch. Yeah, and then is replaced in the in, in the half inning, and he got the, he got the out on that pitch, like you said, right? Yeah, yeah. He, he he got one on that pitch, one third
1: of an inning pitch, which means he recorded an out on one pitch. Now I heard somebody ask, like, why do they, why do they wait for McMillan? Like, why do they wait so long to bring him in? I think it's because the coaching staff know what they have in yeah. McMillan. They 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 wanted to get him some work because I think
2: everybody pitched this weekend. Yeah, I was very close. Well, I was about to ask you. I mean, I don't. There weren't. Nobody pitched twice, right? No, and there's no reason to when you uh, have I agree. depth. I'm, I mean, my God, <laughs> it's, it's staggering. The, the, you played four games. Tech played four games, and didn't, you didn't see any pitcher twice.
1: Um, and then Andrew Devine came in to, to close out the game. This was the, the other run rule game because it was a, a, a travel day for Northern Colorado. We're getting out of here. Um, and Rombach, Rombach hit another three-run home run.
2: Sunday afternoon. Do you say that he had four of those?
1: Four three run home
2: runs. So just four swings of the bat, and that's twelve RBIs. Yeah, he had
1: um he had five home runs, uh hit for five hundred on the weekend, two doubles, five home runs, fifteen RBIs, two walks, four hit by pitch. So like I believe every time like it has to work out almost every time Rombat got to the plate. He was on base his slugging percentage oh, which is it, it's based on it, it's valued on number of bases you hit, yeah you get to I'll, I'll let you say what it is so <laughs> a thousand is usually like the scale right <laughs> of but, course, but because this is a way do you get more you know more points for a double and then you get more points for a triple than a double anyways, his slugging percentage is seventeen fourteen <laughs> doesn't even make sense.
2: There's no, there's no way that that makes any sense.
1: <laughs> like his OPS must be like, like twenty five hundred, or three thousand, whatever. Like it's gotta be like it wouldn't be three thousand, but you know, approaching twenty five hundred OPS, which is on base plus slugging, dude. That's a stupid good weekend. <laughs> Especially,
2: uh, I mean, for your debut, hi. Yeah. Hello. Hey, hey uh, Nate Rombach. So he he hey, will, Nate Rombach here. Good to be here. Um, you know, glad uh, freshman first first time to play D one college ball. Sure, sure, excited to be here.
1: Um, Keith says that you know is is unlikely he's going to replace Fulford behind the dish as an everyday type of guy. Um, but with these kind of numbers, you can bet that Rombach is probably going to be he'll be th- somewhere your your DH your your first baseman. He's going to find a, a spot to stand. Yeah. As a <laughs> As uh, Talat likes to say, because that bat. You just can't let that sit on the bench.
2: Find a spot to stand.
1: Cal Conley, another, another newcomer, uh, hit 412 on the weekend. So he's 7-17. One double, two home runs, three RBI. Jace Young hit 500. Um, double, two home runs, 13 RBI. Uh, these other like batting averages were ridiculous. Dylan Noisy hit 571. Drew Baker, who I think probably played in one or two games, 385. Brian Klein played every game at second base, 500. T.J. Runfield, a guy that you, you were kind of hoping to hear from last year, he got a little burned this weekend, hit 583. Um, and then of, of some of your, your, your stats, especially your offensive stats, um, you scored 65 runs. That ranks first in the Big 12. And second in all of college baseball. I wanna know who scored more runs in the opening weekend than you did. Yeah. Um, you averaged 16.3 runs per game over your four games, first in the Big 12, second in, in college baseball. Your team batting average. So, if everybody that went to the plate, your team batting average is 438. <laughs> first in the Big 12, the first in college baseball. Your team on base percentage, 565 first in the big 12 first in college baseball team slugging percentage 792 first in the big 12 first in, in, in division one um your era you're pitching as well as good as they did the the runs they surrendered were were earned runs so your era was is just over three um fourth in the big 12 100th in college baseball okay i see that changing a little bit like it'll it'll trend downwards when you get more innings from your starters, well, and they you were more of your 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 solid back end rotational guys that are in there.
2: Yeah, and like you were kind of alluding to earlier um, with McMillan not playing much, you know, the, they're trying to figure out what they have with the other guys. Yeah, and and so yeah, I, I I'm agreeing with you.
1: But on the flip side of that, your WHIP, which is walks plus hits divided by your innings pitched, um, the lower the number, the better. It was .84. Um, and I'm, I'm having a hard time describing that. It's like I never, I never, I've never heard of whip. So the whip stat. So you're giving up fewer than one walk and hit combined per inning pitched. Okay. So let, like this is ba- basically how many how many opposing batters reach base because you walked them or they got a hit. Okay. So, less than one per inning. So, no gimmies, kind of. Number two in the Big 12 with that, number 17 in college baseball. Home runs, you hit 12 on the weekend. Number one in the Big 12, number one in D1. And I think you were (laughs) rewarded, so to speak. Um, You had two rankings um, come out and rank you as the number one team in the country. Out of the seven or eight, whatever, the ones... um, one was oh, I should've like one was uh the College Baseball Writers Association and like the college baseball newspaper or something had you as number one team. Um D one baseball named Nate Rombach the national player of the week. Um the Big Twelve named Nate Rombach as the player of the week, and Jace Young as the newcomer of the week. So you got two player of the week recognitions um, after this weekend from the Big 12. You had a lot of people recognizing Rombach um, after his introduction to college baseball. Oh man, yeah. <laughs> Splash. Um, so, like I said, your your opening weekend competition was not that great. Uh, huge swing upwards in competition this weekend. You go to Round Rock in the Round Rock Classic at Dell Diamond, um, where you will face Tennessee Friday night, Stanford Saturday evening, and Houston Friday or sorry Sunday afternoon.
2: Yeah, some some quality teams, obviously, you know, uh, big time programs from big conferences. At well, you know. Tennessee and Stanford for sure, but the the quality and competition is going to be interesting to see how Tech adjusts to this. I, I know that some of their last few outings at this same or this maybe not this exact same place, but they you know they've had the tournament in Frisco and mm-hmm. um, you know where they play three different teams the last couple of years. They haven't done well. They they've always kind of struggled in those tournaments, and then I think last year was the one. Maybe they only played one game. I think Weather knocked them out for the other two. But I want to see how this pitching staff does against um, probably a lot more comparable bats. And I, if if I remember right. I don't,
1: I don't know if you can say comparable.
2: Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's true.
1: There's nobody <laughs> on, on, on pace to do what you're doing. Nate Rombach, I think I heard, was – I mean,
2: if you're that on pace guy, I think he's on pace for 87 home <laughs> runs. Well, and I think Tennessee, I, I happen to hear um, – Dr. Mike Gustafson on Double T on Friday, I believe. And I think Tennessee has a really good pitcher. So that may be a way to test these young guys that just well, so again, got off to an astonishing start as 18-year-old <laughs> kids out there playing baseball.
1: Um, so speaking of your starting pitchers, on the weekend, they obviously went 4-0. Their strikeout-to-walk ratio was 23 strikeouts to 3 walks from your starting pitchers. And only allowed, between the the four starting pitchers, only allowed five runs and eight hits. So that's like average two hits and one run and six strikeouts to one walk. For your starter. For your starting pitcher. Uh, Nate Rombach has the, the five home runs. He's tied for first nationally. 15 RBI has him second nationally. Jace Young. Hit 13 RBI this weekend. It's good for third nationally. Um, Nate Rombach was also named the National College Baseball Writers Association National Player of the Week. That's also the, one of the organizations that listed you as number one team in the country. Uh, the Golden Spikes Award for the performance of the weekend um, has Nate Rombach as one of their performers now that they only pick one game. Um, You know, Nate Rombach's going up against Cale Baker from Ole Miss, who went four for four, two runs, four RBI, two doubles, two home runs. Judd Ward of Auburn and Will Dion from McNeese State. um, The one that they got for Rombach, he was three for four for four runs, seven RBI, and three home runs. Um, Currently, at least in that, you know, their final results for that, this poll, um, Rombach got 31% of the votes, Cale Baker got 39%. So, the polls, update in the polls, um, college baseball writers, there's so many, there's there's two number ones, USA Today has you at number three, Perfect Game has you at number three, Um, Baseball America has you at number four, D1 Baseball has you at number six. So, yeah you had a pretty good weekend. Yeah. Not bad. And obviously baseball being one of my, one of my sports. Well, I I get really excited about, um, I I couldn't have had more fun watching this team (laughs) this weekend run ruling two people, two, two opponents putting up 60 runs in three games. There was fun to be
2: had. Yes.
1: All around. I wish I was there for those, those, those weekend games. Um, I'm not, not jealous of those that went on Friday. That was that looked miserable. Sorry,
2: it was a test of endurance,
1: for sure. Um, so, if you want to watch the games this weekend, you will need to pick up a Flow Live TV subscription, and it looks like you can get them from as low as twelve fifty a month.
2: Yeah, I think you can just do it one time. That's that's what Keith was saying on this podcast today because for some reason I had in my head that maybe you had to commit to a minimum amount of months, but I don't think so. I think you just buy one month if you want to. And to clarify a previous clarification
1: on (laughs) if you need to keep ESPN plus, you don't need to keep it. You can pick it back up in in a couple months. You will have two baseball series this year on ESPN plus. Both of them are road series at Baylor and at Kansas. I think they're close enough that you can probably just get the one month to cover both of them.
2: They're back to back, back to
1: back. It's perfect.
2: Go. Yeah, um, the Baylor series starts April seventeenth, and the Kansas series finishes April twenty sixth. So,
1: in nine days, you'll you'll spend the the
2: yeah ten dollars if you get that ESPN Plus membership at about six twenty nine p.m. on the seventeenth of April, you'll you'll be good to go. Yeah. Um,
1: obviously, if you want more baseball news, you, you'll need to, to follow Keith Patrick. At the Dinger Derby podcast. Um, anywhere you you listen to your podcasts um, on Twitter, Dinger underscore Derby. Instagram, TTU underscore Dinger Derby. He's got that um, opening weekend recap and a preview of the upcoming weekend tournament in Round Rock. Um, last thing on baseball is we had our first little league we had our first t-ball practice
2: tonight sporting your tiger's hat i am you know, I don't see the hawaiian shirt though a little <laughs> little disappointed you didn't show up in a ferrari either but you know it
1: was too cold it was it was pretty cold <laughs> our, our practice lasted 45 that's not minutes. What
2: magnum wouldn't have no. it's never too cold for magnum Pi.
1: but you know who, who my favorite detroit tiger was
2: who i'm not gonna know who it is but go ahead and say it
1: oh gosh i just blanked. i i can't believe i said i set that up and i blanked on his name Tom Selleck no <clears throat> okay when I think about this I'll like there's blur out oh my gosh like, okay <laughs> all right so we had our first practice um and really what it was b- because it was cold and it was our first practice I wanted just to, to get active and have them run around for a little bit I was trying to teach them the bases I was like you know like what are these these are bases okay here's home plate this is where you score runs this is where you bat from here's first base you run to first from home here's second base here's third base and then i had them run the bases okay when you get to first base stop and yell first base get to second base trying to teach them because they're four and five years old yeah they're 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 young kids there's not much practicing going on tonight
2: it's it's learning the rules basically
1: kind of and then i was saying okay when you're not batting like if if the other team is batting we'll be standing out in the field and then the person that stands here at first base is called the first baseman like it's easy first base. There's second baseman. There's a third baseman Good so, philosophy. It's all built around the bases. There's a tricky one between second and third called the shortstop in the middle. There's the pitcher at home plate. They're like, it's, he's he's the home.
2: He's like, no, he's he's a catcher Like, sorry guys, that's that would be the logical <laughs> He's the
1: home baseman. No, no, it's, it's, it's no, no, no,
2: there's not a home baseman. That makes um, too much
1: sense but as trying to teach baseball to four and five year olds, it's like, you know what? And it's not my idea, but I was like, you know, it's a great idea. Let's play kickball. Cause it's an easy, non threatening ball. Yeah. That you can throw around. You can kick, you can get the motion of, okay, here comes the pitch. There's a batter. The play is, you know, you got to throw it to first. There's a lot less threat of injury throwing a kickball than a, a baseball. Um, mm-hmm after 45 minutes of practicing i am not i'm not excited about our prospects <laughs> we we have a player that that he played we have a couple of players i have played last year um one player is really fast was like i think i know where, where i want to play him i i i think i want him to be the pitcher who's going to be kind of chasing all the stuff down <clears throat> um the hand eye foot eye coordination was not good. <laughs> even even with the kickball, even with the giant kickball, there were some uh, people that were like swinging and missing. I was like, "Oh my gosh, this ooh. is going to be." At least at least in, in in our our modified T-ball league, they get to hit off the tee after they miss three pitched balls. Um but we're we're going to be working a lot of individual small groups in batting, so maybe
2: they'll get a lot more practice at it. Yeah. Um and then run to first base,
1: and then run to first base, and then on defense, I'm basically like split the field in half. If, if it, if it's going to the pitcher, second baseman, or first baseman, the play is get the ball to first. So if it's on the right side of the infield, the play is at first. If they if the runner makes it to first safely, our our next attention is on the next batter. Uh, yeah, just like done. We're, we're we're gonna stop like we're gonna, we're gonna stop them from running any further than the second or third. But then our, our focus is going to be on the next batter getting them out at first. Yeah. If the ball goes to the left side of the infield, it's get the ball back to the pitcher and stop the play.
2: Oh, yeah, that's right. That's how the, the rules work with this. Yeah. The pitcher has the ball. Everyone has to stop at their base, right?
1: The last one they touch unless they're forced ahead. Oh, even the last one they touch. La- last one they safely touch. So if they're okay. like okay. a step away from reaching home and the pitcher stops the play, he has, the batter has to go back to the runner has to go back to third. Mm. Okay. Because one, they want to to avoid the, well, was he more than halfway? Like the judgment of like, would would he have scored? There's
2: no judgment. It's just a flat out, nope. Just go back to the last base
1: you legally touched unless you're forced to the next one. Gotcha. So my plan is to, like I said, basically split the, the baseball diamond in half to start the season and say, anything on this side, play goes to first, anything over here, the ball goes back to the pitcher. Yeah, like I don't want you chasing people down at third, trying to make a, a tag out at home. I don't want you going to second because if you throw it to second and miss, it's going in the outfield. Everybody's going to score. Yeah, like like you, nobody should be throwing to second base. Um, we'll, we'll see. And then, like I said, I want to get a lot of one-on-one, like not one-on-one, but a lot of attention into in batting and get a lot of people more practice than we got last year. Um, we'll see though. Seems like a good plan. I, I had a couple parents, and I don't know if it like. I'm excited that they offered to help. I'm also like, could you tell already in one practice that like I needed help, <laughs> <laughs> which is fine. Cause I, I, I only had the, the two coaches, me and this other coach and she wasn't, she was more like, um, I should have given more direction. I, I, I oh, sure, Yeah. Yeah. Story
2: yeah. of my life as a trying to manage people. Yeah, I should have given more direction. I, I I could I could say that probably at least once an hour, huh? I should have given more direction on that. So yeah, they didn't read my mind. That's crazy. Why didn't they read my mind? I don't know. But that
1: was our our first our first uh, practice. It may be too cold to practice outside Thursday. Um, one of the yeah. coaches on the team is the like I don't know if I told you this, but she's the PE teacher at the ele- elementary school. Um, so it's like, hey, you you you're used to working with kids this age and in an athletic capacity. Like, I I can work with this. She's offered up for us to use the gym on days that it's too cold to practice. Like, well, that's great, but I don't. Like, I guess we could play kickball again. We could try it again. Um, keep working on that because there's not like you can't throw baseballs in the gym, and I don't think we're there yet. Um, we can do tennis balls, but again, I don't think we're there yet.
2: Yeah. What about hitting?
1: I do have a net that they could hit into that would stop the ball. So they like, we we could do that. We could break it up
2: and, and do, but, but then you'd really have to break it up. Cause there's,
1: well, like the way we did it tonight is we had, you know, a third baseman, a shortstop, a second baseman, a first baseman, a pitcher. And then everybody else was either in line to kick or on the bases Cause they, they just kicked. And like, I, they really only ran one base. Um, so, I, I could take a smaller group, you know, two or three at a time, or one at a time, and, and actually have them bat off the tee and then have the rest of them work on kickball and kind of rotate that way, which I may do
2: that. Guess that, see, that. see, look at you. Look at you, coach. <laughs> you got some thoughts over there, man.
1: I have the other coaches kind of reinforce what we were trying to do tonight playing kickball, and I'd I, I give some individual, or whoever, you know, if somebody is, is, is better at. Teaching, batting. Let them do that. I don't. I don't. I don't. You know, envision myself having to do like I have to be the batting coach and I have to be the the, the coach that pitches. I'm I'm awful. So if one of the other other parents (laughs) that have volunteered can make that throw from the pitching mound to the batter more reliably than I can, please please be our our our, our pitching coach. Yeah. Um, And I will be a base coach and I will be aggressive as heck and, and send, and send runners, <laughs> send as, them all the time. <laughs> the problem is, Go! is, is obviously that runner at second, who's the furthest away from any of your coaches. The, the pitching coach can't give any direction once the ball's been hit. So okay. if, if I'm the pitching coach and I, I, I pitch the ball and the batter hits it from me, I basically have to get out of the way and do nothing else besides just stay out of the way the other two coaches at first and third can give direction and coach and but they obviously you can't touch the kid sure like you can't and like push them Nudge. go <laughs> you have to like scream at them grayson run home <laughs> um so yeah that that the runner on second is always one that like gets dazed and kind of out there in no man's but land butterflies and not paying attention yeah because the the runner at first you can be like you can be in their ear the whole
2: time okay you ready to go you ready to go 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 yeah yeah because you can just i'd you about like quietly talk run! To him. <laughs> yeah because you don't want to scream across the thing the whole game To hey second second kid on second base you're running as soon as they hit the ball if he hits the ball that yeah yeah you don't want to Screaming, but like, I do what now? Okay, if he hit,
1: uh, uh. and also like, once you get to second, you need to be looking at the third base coach, and that, yeah, they, yeah, they need. To, anyways, the league update. That's where we're at. <laughs> the, the, this would be like our our going yard section until the spring um, grass starts to grow, which I, I thought was going to be soon. But mm, every every again. every week when it freezes, like no, we're gonna we're gonna delay that just nope. a little bit longer. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm as long as there's not like snow and ice, I'm probably leaning towards having practice on Thursday night. Now that I've, I've thought this through. So. Okay. Michael, are you ready for questions? I am ready. And you, you said we, we did have some. Yeah. All right, let's do this
0: now. Are these really the questions that I was called here to answer?
1: Who's in the box? Uh, what's in the box? I'm Ron Burgundy. Who typed a question mark on the teleprompter? You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. All right. So questions. You mentioned Matt Wells headset. I'm I'm sorry. I'm realizing this. Like I'm still not over the throat issues that I've had since I had the flu. Six weeks ago. The longer we go into the podcast, the less voice I have. Well, the more
2: effort I'm having to exert to have a normal voice. You also just coached baseball tonight, too.
0: Well, there
1: wasn't a lot of yelling, though. Uh,
2: like, well, still, but I'm sure you had to just talk more. There's
1: more talking. But, like, yeah. if I if I don't give effort, then, like, the more froggy and the voice gets... Like this. <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure it's annoying to listen to that. So I'm going to I apologize. But I did not think I'd still be dealing with my... A weak voice six weeks after having the flu and all the crap I had going on w- with my throat back then. And I'll still get like a sore throat every now and then. It's strange. It's just, it's Sorry. just
2: unforgiving this season.
1: No, Matt Wells headset. My reaction is that some tech fans are being a bunch of Nancy's about the loss, talking about the basketball loss to Oklahoma state. Baseball team looks good though. Tadlock ought to have a summer home in Omaha by now. You know, I don't disagree. Yeah. It's like a, like a, a vacation home. Um, a timeshare like I'll be there June and July. Just you guys got to get out the rest of the year.
2: Yeah. You know, a little bit of money invested in Omaha stakes. All right. So his questions, he actually submitted questions. He had the reaction and then questions.
1: My questions are as follows. One, give you a seven seed right now. Do you take it or roll the dice? I do not like the seven seed in the basketball tournament.
2: You would roll the dice.
1: I think I would. Even if that means like it, I think I would take it taking a 10, which you would still play the 7. Um, that's 7, 8, 9, 10, like in that range, which you're pretty close, you're probably going to have one of
2: those. I think I'd rather have 7 than 8 or 9.
1: Well, because here's the thing. If you're 7 or 10 and you win, then you get the 2C the next round. Yeah. If you're 8 or 9, you get the 1C the next round.
2: But it's going to be harder to win that 8 or 9, possibly.
1: Right. So I I, th- I think I'd rather... If not the seven, then I want the 10. Oh, that's interesting. Because <laughs> I don't want the eight or nine, and well, I don't want to have the, the one under, seed.
2: You can be the underdog, too.
1: Um, and I don't think a power five team can fall to, like, an 11.
2: Not typically, no. Unless they're a, a, a team that won the, their tournament or something, and they're awful.
1: But see, I wouldn't mind an 11 seed. <laughs> and take on, like, the number three seed in, in, in your bracket, which you were last season. Yeah. Uh, that's when you played Buffalo. No, I think they were the el- no. no uh, they were the
2: six. Yeah, Buffalo. So you played the the second game. You played one of the Kentucky schools, Northern Kentucky. But they would have been fourteen. Is that right? So Buffalo beat the
1: okay. Because if you're the eleven seed, your first game is against the six seed. And last year, Buffalo, as a six seed, won that game. Yes. And then you played them. Correct. But if Texas Tech is the 11 seed and they win their first game versus the sixth seed, then you'd play the three seed, which is where I think I was going. It's not as easy a path as I was expecting
2: I think I think I would take the I would you know, as I mentioned before, the you know we're not going overboard, there's no don't dump water out the boat, we're not sinking or anything but i I think I would take the seven seed right now because as I mentioned, I don't really see. How Tech's going to boost their resume um, much more than where they're at right now. You'd have with the to games beat that are left. Kansas and or Baylor to do it, and then you'd also have to. You probably need to win, beat the crap out of <laughs> like Kansas State and Iowa State and, and Texas and, and, and OU. I mean, you would have to. I mean, UT, you could probably get by with a squeaker at home, but. I mean, I I don't think you can do that against Kansas State.
1: Ramsey one and done.
2: Mm, possibly, as we you know we kind of dove into that a little bit on the Slack chat. If uh, you know Zaire Smith is as great as he was, Ramsey's stats are way better, way better in almost every category. If you're just looking at straight up stats. Um so yeah, I mean, there's a there's a very good chance of that. He, he may be one and done. I, I would, I'm to the point now where I'm going to be surprised if he's not. And he keeps going up these draft boards. He's he's a talented player. I think he's more put together than than Zaire was at, at this age. I, th- I think he's not quite as raw as Zaire, Zaire was.
1: I think he's on the bubble of being a one and done. I, I, I think he probably could go and be drafted this year regardless. But I think, um, if he continues to perform well, and if the team makes a deep run this spring, he can improve his draft stock and like really go to a good team and, and set himself up.
2: The other argument with that is that next year, supposedly the draft's going to be really stacked,
1: which would encourage him to go now. Right. Um, but if he doesn't, he could play with, if he stays, he could play with Micah Peavy, tomboy. Joel Tomboy, uh, Namari Burnett. Like next year's team, talent wise, is going to be off the charts. You still hypothetically have a shot with Tomboy's younger brother, who may be reclassifying to this upcoming recruiting class. In his recruiting class, he's the number one recruit.
2: Oh, yeah, that's right.
1: Um, and he could reclassify and join, like, and be on a college roster this fall. Like I said, hypothetically, you still have that shot since you have his brother on your roster. Um, and then Tyreek Smith is the other player that you have now that you would hypothetically get back. Because the thing that's been pointed out is those scholarship numbers don't work out. Mm. I think currently, right now, even without Burnett's—not not, not Burnett—without um, in younger brother, you're plus one. So there's one player on your team now that would not be returning. In a scholarship capacity, Benson.
2: Well, not no. I, Benson's I, I, on Scholly. I think it that's was a, like a, in, including like like
1: seniors. Mm. Like how many scholarships will be open after the seniors leave? Minus the new
2: guys coming in, I think you're still one over. Okay, okay. And well, it was
1: because Benson got added on. You're like, well, now what?
2: I mean, there's been scholarship players transfer. Yeah, like, and, and I mean, Malik transferred. More transfer. I mean, there's there's been some guys transfer out of Beard's system. Whether and he's, I'm not sure. I'm just seemed kind of amicable. You know that both sides they saw, they saw they weren't going to play, or Beard just flat out told them they weren't going to – or whatever it was. So there's. He may be able to free up some scholarship spots and just kind of talk someone into heading somewhere else and try to find him a good place to go. And how that worked last year it was a it was a guy, you know it was a guy that redshirted, didn't play. And you
1: look at the redshirt guys this year, Tyreek Smith and Joel and Tom. It's like I don't want either yeah. one of you to leave. <laughs> That's a good we, point. We need the 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 size and the Please. the offensive um, presence that they can provide, as also being you know nearly. Six eight six nine guys so yeah, um I mean, it would definitely favor him if the draft is going to be that loaded for Ramsey to go ahead and and kind of move on now also could help with the scholarship numbers um question number three, why would anybody drink diet soda um here's the thing i i I really like the carbonation and I really like a sweet drink. I really like the, like the low, like the caffeine. But if I'm drinking like a full sugar soda, like where I could be drinking two, three, four of these a day, that's like five, 600 extra calories oh, it, in just a beverage. Yeah. Like I'm, I will acknowledge that I'm addicted to soda and I justify it by like, okay, well, you know, at least it's diet soda. I'm, I'm probably giving myself <laughs> cancer with aspartame and all the other crappy you know, fake sugars I use, but at least it's not you know real sugars and and, and real carbs that I'm just ingesting at my desk. Doing yeah, nothing.
2: we we drink uh, for, for a lot of the, a lot of our broadcasts. Um, whoever's coming over to whoever's house will, will, you know, we'll text the other and hey, you know, you want a soda or anything? And it's almost always a diet version of something, and it, it, that's the only my only thought process behind it too is I just don't want the calories because. Um We're who, not we're not, wants, not all
1: skinny like you, Matt Wells had said. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and whoever's behind you're this, You're
2: obviously a, a Svelte, um uh, <laughs> you know, a, a nice AT and T slim. Um <laughs> you know, possibly a Bose. You know, Bose Bose has a has a nice a nice figure figure. <laughs> uh but yeah, I I don't I don't really Want the extra calories, but lately, man, this is such an old man thing. But carbonated sodas, carbonated anything, has just really started to upset my stomach. Because <laughs> Spencer's asked me the last several times, "Hey, do you want a beverage?" And I'm, I've said no for the last several times, but I never actually told him why until now. And you, you like when you say no, I don't go to get my own. Yeah,
1: I, I'm like, well, okay, fine, I'll, I won't get. No, on. I
2: was just, I just say no because, ugh I mean, because I don't know what it is. Because I, use, I really was into those spin drifts and stuff, and the, you know, the flavored sparkling waters and then i Mm. would drink one for lunch and then my stomach would just turn upside (laughs) amongst itself the the rest of the you know half the afternoon at work and i kept i finally figured out oh i think that's what it is so i've kind of laid off that too such a old man thing to have to deal with yeah um i i do notice like on on the days i have a sore
1: throat a soda makes it 10 times worse which is it's interesting
2: but well i saw someone replied to this this uh Eric on wheels said that he drinks diet soda because he likes carbonation and it tastes better than the regular drink that I do not agree with.
1: Well, here's, diet
2: soda does not taste better. It tastes, it's, it's acceptable. It's
1: different. <laughs> it's different. It's not like, it's not the same drink. No, no, it is not the same. Um, but here's the thing. None of them I, taste having, like the other, having shifted to drinking diet sodas for as long as I have now for like a couple of years. Me too. Like drinking a regular soda is like, it's, work. it's a punch in the mouth. It's, it's, a, it takes. It is
2: so dang sweet. You're like, I can't, I can't do this. Well, it's not just, it's not just the sweetness. It's the, whew, I'm, I'm full. I'm full now. I can't do anything. I yeah. need, I need to go lay down because I, because I had a soda. I had, a, I had I, a
1: sugary soda. I like to make the joke with Samantha that like, she gets on to me for how much soda I drink. I was like, well, it's diet soda. is like, that doesn't matter. It's like, <laughs> It's basically water, okay,
2: yeah, really, <laughs>
1: especially when it's like like when when it's chemi- chemically I pick water I like 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 a caffeine free diet soda, I was like, this is water, okay, don't don't, don't don't at me, bro, no, that's cool, um, but yeah, then matt wells re- headset replies with that uh, greta uh gif, how dare you, <laughs> um Brian Bradley replied and said, You take the seven seat all day at this point, uh wells' headset says, calls him a pink rater. <laughs> Will be a one seed by the time Beard starts wearing a headset, and then Brian Cooper at Local Nerd LBK says he responds to all four of these questions. One, yes, if you get to the final four, you'll need to go through tough teams anyways. It's talking about taking the seven seed. Um, two, I feel he's out after this year. Talking about Ramsey. Three, zero calories plus some diabetics can't take so much sugar. Ah, I didn't think about that. And the, the fourth question that we haven't answered yet: Better Lubbock breakfast spot, Pancake House or Breakfast House? I'm gonna have to look at you because I don't think I've been to either.
2: Lubbock Breakfast House, is that the one at University in the Loop? Yes, and they have a second location on 19th and University. It's just next to IHOP, mm-hmm. oddly enough. Yeah, I've not, I've been to neither.
1: I like Cast Iron Grill, the yes. one on 19th and like basically the highway. Basically, I27. Yeah. Um, I like Picantes on 34th, a little Mexican place. They do a fantastic breakfast burrito tower tech cafe
2: rain slide rain cafe is probably my favorite i think rain cafe would be my favorite breakfast place in town not rain uptown even though they serve kind of pretty much the same stuff but just rain cafe because it's got the old school you've kind of got a mixed match of the white coffee mugs mm. you, you may also may not get the same coffee mug i do but they're both white and there's always <laughs> someone running I mean you've got like half of your coffee drink and you look over and it's full again. And, and splash like, you're yeah. like,
1: I have to like guess how much creamer and sugar to in. They make
2: French toast and they batter it of course, because that's what you do with French toast. And on the outside of the French toast, they add, I believe it's cornflakes. What? So you get like that nice kind of just slight crunch with your French toast. Phenomenal. Mm. I, rain, rain is my favorite breakfast place. But between Pancake House and Lubbock Breakfast House, Lubbock Breakfast House hands down. There's just too many people that go there. I don't go there anymore. It, it's just too popular. Every time I drive by there, there's people outside waiting to to yeah. you know to put their name in for the table. Maybe not even have their name on yet. But yeah, if you were want more, you, like you
1: have to know somebody that's eating there.
2: Yeah, You're like it, hey, I'm, I'm gonna take your table. But rain though. Man, rain's, rain's still, you know, it, it gets busy because it is good, but it's, it's not quite on that level. So I would suggest that.
1: Okay. Let's get to what do we learn? What do we learn, Palmer? I don't know, sir. I don't know either. All right. So one of the things I just learned um, Baylor basketball did win tonight versus Oklahoma. Now they've won 23 straight games. Ooh. Now the best in the Big 12 in terms of winning streak in Big 12 history having just surpassed the 96-97 Kansas
2: Jayhawks. Yeah, that's going to be a tough tough game in Waco. You think? Um yeah, for sure. I
1: I didn't I didn't see this coming, and I don't pay a lot of attention to other conference schools outside of like Kansas and West Virginia and only thinking like oh they're usually some of our more difficult opponents um Baylor was good last year but not like this
2: yeah and, and, and I, cr- it's not like they, they
1: picked up like like they turned the roster with a bunch more talent like these are guys that have been there and have been de- developing
2: credit to there were quite a few outlets and polls and stuff that saw this pretty early and I just couldn't I
1: thought, man how are they I, ranked
2: so high so and what? I disagreed
1: I was like what is no that's dumb
2: oh yeah well and you know look who ended up being on the right side of that but yeah they're yeah. 24 and 1 Un- unreal and that one was was it their first game or their second game
1: I think it was their second I, I think they won a game then lost one and, and then, then they've rattled they off started.
2: 23 straight <laughs> gosh that's that's ridiculous yeah that's not bad Oh, okay. What did you learn? What did I learn? Okay, last week, I briefly mentioned what I thought was a Florida sausage company that my mother-in-law had sent us 12 pounds, 12 individually wrapped one-pound one pound packages of sausage. I'm on the website and looking at it now. And it's a... It's assortment pack. pack. And y'all know how good I am at, at butchering names, so I'm going to butcher this one too. It's spelled C-O-N-E-C-U-H... Koneca. Coneca, I'm sure she told me how to pronounce it and I can't remember it. Uh, and it's not in Florida, it's in Alabama. So <laughs> I had all sorts of stuff wrong last week, but I told you guys I would I would uh tell you where it was. So check out um check out their website if you want to. ConecaSausage.com, dot com, C O N E C U H Sausage dot com. And guys, it's phenomenal. It just tastes like someone went outside to there's, you know, how they build those smoke shacks mm. where it's just meat hanging. It's like someone just pulled one of those off and threw it in a skillet and handed it to you. It's so smoky. It's wonderful. It's just great.
1: Yeah. So this 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 pack, this assorted assortment pack, their flavors are hickory smoked, spicy and hot, all-natural hickory smoked. I don't know how that's different than hickory smoked. Me neither. Original Cajun cracked black pepper.
2: And that is the pack that we have and we're just kind of working our way through it. <laughs> Allison's been tasked with, okay, what's the sausage dish going to be this week? We're trying to like just slowly but surely work through all that cuz it's in the freezer and it's anyway. That's been awesome and w- I learned one other thing. Spencer, hmm. have you ever heard of competitive jigsaw puzzling? Not ever once in my life. It is a thing and it is surprisingly fun. Uh my wife's pretty into it. puzzling and we went to the first ever competitive jigsaw puzzling contest held at the Science Spectrum this this Saturday how does one compete it's it's pretty official they have um you have teams of 2 or teams of 4 and then there's a team with a family where you can have like up to four adults and a kid or however you want to do it so we obviously did a team of 2 they come out with a this was a 300 piece puzzle and everyone too bad. Everyone gets the exact same 300 piece puzzle, of course. Well at least the teams of two did. And teams of four, I think we're working on a different puzzle. And so all the teams of two, same exact puzzle. it's in a brown paper bag. it's wrapped, it's sealed. Um, they have all they have done is make a little slit in the plastic that covers a puzzle box. So I mean it's never been opened even. So you don't have no idea what it looks like and then they tell you when to start and you wrap every you know you take everything out, and you dump all the pieces out and then uh you flag someone over when you get close and then they record your official time and all that kind of stuff. So we did it in 58 minutes, which which got us 5th place out of about 8. So, so we <laughs> We were in the bottom half. First place 58 went... 58 minutes in, in, for 300 pieces. That's not bad. See, that seems pretty good. But but then you hear the other times. First place were a couple of sisters that oh knocked it out in 35 minutes. And then second place were um, a couple of people from... They drove in from Sweetwater <laughs> over 100 miles. And and once we... Because they, they asked at the beginning, you know, who... You know, where did you come from? They did like a kind of a little interactive quiz... And almost everybody, you know, they were zero to 25 miles away. And one group was hundred plus miles away. And the guy's like, who's that? Eh, it's us. And we're from Sweetwater. And so Allison and I were both like, oh man, they're, they're going to be serious. And sure enough, they got second place, <laughs> 39 minutes. So it was fun, man. I mean, we, we had a good time and you get to keep the puzzle and it was free and there was no, but the the top three places got, um, there was a little jigsaw puzzle trophy, <laughs> for each for each member of the two person team, which I thought was neat. And then I think First Place also got some sort of Chick-fil-A gift card. So it was That's where it's at, man. Yeah. So uh the, the it was a pretty good turnout. They were kinda talking about maybe, you know, starting it a little bit more often and Michael, would you be interested in competing with against my
1: wife and I in a competitive jigsaw?
2: Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what really what we should do is probably put our wives on a team and then you and I on a team, yeah, and then we could split the winnings because if our wives were on a team, they would probably win. <laughs> I think I'm, I'm almost certain I was the anchor. I was I was dragging her down. There, there was so one here, section of the puzzle I just kind of sat there for a while because it was all this blue and it all looked the same, and I just sat there like I don't I'm I i do not know what to do now. <laughs> I've the, done all I can do.
1: The thing that I I, I figured out when I, when Samantha and I are doing puzzles together is she's the one that like does most of them, and then she'll get stuck on like one piece. And I'm just like I got it. <laughs> it's this one and as, uh, she's like how did you I've been looking for that piece for like five minutes and I was like I don't know I just saw it it's just been in, it. It was right there it's been
2: in the whole time I just picked it up put it in don't want to tell you yeah anyway, it was a lot of fun man I'll uh, tell you I'll tell y'all when the next one comes through yeah well, we'll have to have to check that out um I feel like there's something else I was going to
1: say but there's music coming in, I guess not.
2: Well, it's it's hard to top competitive jigsaw puzzling. There's no no topping
1: that. So for Michael, I'm Spencer. Thanks again for listening to the 23 Personnel Podcast. We will catch you guys next week. Peace.
0: Thank you for listening to the 23 Personnel Podcast and sharing our fandom for the Texas Tech Red Raiders. You can connect with us on Twitter at 23Personnel, Spencer at PuntSuck, and Michael at Michael underscore LBK. And find even more great content over on StakingThePlanes.com. Help us out by rating the show and leaving a review on iTunes and subscribe on whatever channel you listen to podcasts. Remember to tell your friends about the show. The guys will be back next week with another episode And until then, guns up and let the tortillas fly!